Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on Citizen K. The beauty of this is that if we help each other just by doing a little, but when we put the full picture together, that's what you see. Even just by doing a small piece, we can change the world. A very moving conversation with Vahid Sadati, who was behind the welcome mat, assembled 22 years ago by over 650 volunteers of all ages and backgrounds. It has been recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's largest needlepoint. It was the backdrop for Pope John Paul II and Barack Obama's visits to Canada. And the mat was here in Kingston, a local quilting and sewing machine store stitched by stitch over the weekend. My conversation with Vahid Sadati coming up. First, plenty of fundraiser walk and runs happening in the near future. Yesterday on The Scoop, we talked about the multiple myeloma march coming up on September 11th. Well, on the same day, there is the Ovarian Cancer Walk of Hope being organized by Queen's University students who are researching ovarian cancer. I spoke with Jacob Kement, PhD student in biochemistry and cell biology, as well as Farzane Afzali, PhD student in experimental medicine, to learn more about ovarian cancer and the Walk of Hope. First of all, now, is this an event going on across Canada? Yes. Okay, the Ovarian Cancer Canada Walk. And I also understand uh, this is a team with knowledge and lived experience of ovarian cancer. So uh, tell me more how this initiative started. So it was almost two years ago that me and Jake came together as the students who are studying ovarian cancer. Um, and we didn't have any kind of club or any associative that we can get together. Uh, and also because we are very few students who are studying ovarian cancer in the Queens. And we just wanted to have experience um, and connecting more people from even clinical studies to the academics and just um, promoting awareness. We are also making some videos uh, and we posted on our socials and YouTube for more awareness about ovarian cancer. So it all started with these aims. First, the club joined the Walk of Hope in a previous year. And then um, this year we had a, a connection um, with a woman in the oncology department. And now we are actually organizing the Walk of Hope. Um, and so this is basically um, a walk that stands for hope for a future without ovarian cancer. And just looking at your website, speaking of hope, I saw that there are some messages of hope on the website. Tell me a bit more about some of the goals of, of having that on the website. Sure. So I think the disease is a highly specific disease and it gets diagnosed at a later stage. So um, basically there are limited therapies that can target this successfully target this disease. And um, what we're trying to do is raise awareness here for women with ovarian cancer to raise money and funding um, to go back into the research to go back into um, advocacy efforts. Um, and in doing so, we hope we can 
you know, better the knowledge on the disease, make people more aware and have more researchers focused on it. Okay, so I see that the Ovarian Cancer Canada Walk is happening on Sunday, September the 11th, and I can see that people can either register to walk in person or virtual. And I'm curious to know, how would the virtual walk work? Well, we had the virtual walk uh, last year. It's like that you register in the website. And um, then I heard that people who register virtually, they can either walk around their neighborhood with their friends, um, so we think that we assume that it might be like that. Um, and also when they register, basically the donation and the registration fee go uh, directly as the uh, donation. So it's more like a fundraising uh, color to it. Um, so yeah, that's about the virtual walk. You can walk around the neighborhood. You can mm -hmm. walk around the local hockey rink. You can even go on the um, Stairmaster at the at the local gym. So yeah. there's lots of potential for the virtual walk. Great, and for the in-person, is there a set route? Um, yes, it's in Lake Ontario and we have a certain route for that. And we're gonna like later on um, give the maps and there we're gonna have signs for people to know where they should walk. Now, in terms of how, how does the fundraising process work? So how people register and then how, how what is exactly the process in, in raising money? Um, well, there is a registration fee um, when you register in the website and that's uh, $20. That goes directly to the Ovarian Cancer Canada, which is uh, the main group who is holding these walks all over the Canada. Um, and you can add to it and buy some packages. Um, and those packages include t-shirts or um, a couple of other things. So it's, it's how it starts. Basically when Ovarian Cancer Canada gets the funding, they can choose based on their initiatives, whether they're gonna donate it to you know, vital research or advocacy efforts um, or provide support for women with ovarian cancer. Excellent. So Sunday, September 11th, and as we mentioned earlier, this is going on across Canada. So basically in communities all across the country, there will be walks happening on that day. Yes. Wow. Okay. And, uh, and you touched on it briefly. So Ovarian Cancer Canada, once they receive all the, the funds that come through that day, some of it will go towards advocacy, some of it towards uh, further research initiatives. Uh, and, and beyond that, anything else uh, that we know that the fundraising will support? Or caring for the patients on, as well. Excellent. Great. And, and for those that uh, would like to contribute and get involved, uh, what is the best process for, for them to do? Uh, well, they can reach out to our website. Um, and also we have a still open and available spots for more volunteers. Um, so we encourage people to just engage in it, um, and especially that it's more like a very group and community-wise walk. So we hope that they reach out to us, and if they want to be volunteer, we still have open spots for them. So I think the website is ovariancancerwalkofhope.ca, and you can just go straight to that website, and it allows you to register um, as a single participant or join a team. Here we already 
started the Queens Ovarian Cancer Club team. And um, people are welcome to register for our team as well. And if they do search us, Queens Ovarian Cancer Club, they Google us, uh, our website just comes up and they just can simply click on it and get more information about this walk. And both of you will, will, will be there that day for the walk? Yeah, of course. We will. There'll be a number of tables such as the registration table. Um, we also have a kids table for um, coloring as well as um, bracelets that'll be available to purchase. And we'll, we're also going to have a refreshment table. Yeah, and also info booth uh, for raising awareness and also talking about uh, the new research, or research that are been going on in the Queens and in the general ovarian cancer. So that will be our info booth too. Great. So it'll also be an opportunity to, to learn more uh, uh, about this cancer as well. Yes. Yeah. We're excited to get an opportunity to educate the public about ovarian cancer and what we're currently working on at Queen's University. Okay, before we wrap up, I'd be curious to know a little bit more about what both of you are working on. We're both working on ovarian cancer. So my project, um, I'm working on immunotherapy that targets ovarian cancer. So we basically harness the immune system to um, counteract the negative effects of cancer. And for me, I'm working on a cellular stress um, because ovarian cancer cells are very special. So basically they are inherently far from any vein or something. So um, they are used to being in a stressed mood. So they kind of have been adapted um, to perform very well. So what I'm doing is that I'm studying how they uh, became so adapted to their stress. Excellent, because as you did mention at the start of the interview that this ovarian cancer often is not detected until the later stages. So uh, you're looking into some of how these therapies can, can still help to, to, to treat it at that stage, correct? So basically chemotherapy and surgery um, are not working optimally and we need more targeted therapies for this specific um, devastating disease. That was my conversation with Jacob Kement and Farzane Afzali, Queen's PhD students and organizers of the Ovarian Cancer Walk of Hope happening Sunday, September 11th at Lake Ontario Park. Registration is at 9 a.m. with the walk beginning at 10. There is also the virtual option. To learn more and to join their team, just search for Queen's Ovarian Cancer Club. You are listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna. Those I interview on Citizen K or on the Stroop are people who are working on an interesting projects or have a perspective to share. Well, in this case, this next interviewee meets both those criteria, but beyond that, I felt inspired, and I hope you do as well. I spoke with Vahid Sadati who was at Stitch by Stitch in Kingston over the weekend, displaying the welcome mat, depicting the word welcome in over 100 languages. Let's learn more from Vahid. It's a very special uh, display just outside the store, uh, greeted by 
So is is it really the world's so the world's okay. largest? That's, yeah, that's world largest needle point that we created um, in year 2000, and it was in the Guinness Book of Record in 2004. Uh, that was 50th anniversary of the Guinness Book. 650 volunteers, age 4 to 84 years, helped me to stitch, uh, put five million stitches and welcome in 103 different languages. Uh, we have Morse code, we have sign language, we have braille, and that uh, 103. And we are here because uh, last year I moved to Lansdowne, Ontario, and I saw the commercial of the Stitch by Stitch. And to me, it was... Uh, uh, a message that uh, I contacted the, the owner, co-owner, um, Heather Dodson, and I told her that that's what we did. We put stitch by stitch and we create this welcome uh, mural. And I would like to see if you'd be interested uh, to display in front of your store. And right away she said for sure. And we uh, organized today that is the customer appreciation so we have the welcome mat in front of the store. And we also, one of the things that we want to do is that uh, 22 years ago, I also was looking into the future of add some more languages. We have some empty spots that's in that uh, uh, welcome mat that uh, we trying to put native languages in there. Uh, now I have one and I'm hoping uh, with the help of organizations uh, that they can provide us with the welcome in native languages so we can also do that with the help of uh, customers and volunteers from Stitch by Stitch. Well what I really would like to know uh, you know about this mat is exactly how did this all start what was the process of making this happen? Uh, as a, a newcomer to Canada uh, in 1987... You came from Iran, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I came from Iran, and, and I was so uh, welcome that I felt that I have to give back uh, to uh, my new home. And uh, that's how I went about how can I accomplish a, a task like this and the other thing that I wanted to do I want to show how uh, Canada is a United Nation people from all over the world come uh, regardless of their religion belief race everybody can work together and we can always look for a goal that we can work together and as you can see outside what we accomplished uh, we have people from different background different ages that came together create something and that it shows the welcoming of Canada and to me this is something that I wanted to give back to Canada uh, my new home and after all these years uh, Unfortunately, we haven't been able to find a permanent home for the piece. I have tried so many times to display it in uh, Pearson International, which is the largest uh, airport uh, 
in Canada, uh, as people coming to Canada to see the welcoming uh, of Canada, especially uh, seeing something that people actually put time and effort mm -hmm. to create that is not something that you go and print welcome in different languages mm -hmm. and put it in there. Well, exactly. We were having a, a bit of a discussion before we started uh, talking through this interview about how, you know, just sort of printing a, a welcome digital is nothing compared to, uh, I mean, like two years of work went into the, your your welcome mat. As you mentioned, was like over 60 people involved. Six, of, six, 650. My mistake, 600. Add, add an extra zero to that. Yes, 650. Yes. And people of all ages. Yes. Um, all different backgrounds. I have all all their names, and some of them, unfortunately, they are not with us anymore because uh, that was 22 years ago. And my oldest uh, volunteer at the time, uh, she was 84 years old. And again, that was something that people love to be part of it, to be proud Canadian, and to be proud to show. Uh, that yes, we can work together, regardless our age, background, religion. This is something that I think our politician should work on it. Uh, so many politicians all these years promise, yes, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We as a people accomplish, we finish the project in two years. We can't have it displayed somewhere in 22 years so go and figure this it took that long for something th this beautiful and this um is so symbolic of what the canadian spirit really is about you see this is something that for example this piece has been displayed uh, in the backdrop of world youth day in 2002 that's right with um with the pope yes the pope john paul ii yes the, we were there and uh, it's so unfortunate that on that day uh, we were there in Donsview Park which was the media center for the World Youth Day. Uh, this piece was displayed there uh, for the whole event and I had several interviews from uh, media from other countries but unfortunately not one Canadian media came and interview and ask this 30 feet and it was standing it wasn't on the floor I have the picture that the only press that I got it was from Toronto Star that they just printed something uh, about that this piece being there uh, again wow that that's unbelievable you'd think something that's puts that, that really again unites Canadians at such a, a feat and how beautiful it is and to think it, it, it got so little uh, press coverage uh, Everybody, everybody from Canadian press, they come see, you can't miss it, a 30 feet by 20 feet structure that we had to build in there. I'm going to show you the pictures. Uh, they came past by not one, and I'm talking about not one person came and said, so what is this? But I have all the footage, all the cards of different countries some of them they were struggling even ask their question in English to what is it about and uh, how it came about but not one Canadian press and again it was also displayed 
and 2009 for President Obama um, visit to Canada and I, I was fortunate and that to be able to display it in front of the uh, uh, parliament and um, I have a picture that uh, Canadian citizen newspaper uh, took and they put it on their website uh, again that was just the website and all the media nobody was interested on the welcome map so um, what, what was your original hope when you were was that, I know you mentioned you wanted to give back to Canada Is, was there anything else you were hoping to to that would come of this match uh, I was gonna uh, um, my goal was first uh, showing the welcoming of Canada and second showing that how people would come together put their differences aside for a common goal and this was something that to me was amazing for two years uh, meeting all these volunteers going now uh, they would invite me to their house I, I have uh, um, gentlemen came and knock on my door after we finish uh, two years after we finished the project and when we go outside I'm gonna show you those pictures he says my wife was one of your volunteers and she passed away four months ago and she wanted me to to give you these pictures from her so you would remember I come across stories that uh, it would really show the passion of Canadians uh, a grandmother came and volunteered and she took a piece of the basically that's like a puzzle 416 uh, 11 by 17 mesh joined together uh, to be showing that she took a piece and come back next week and brought back piece done and she says that was the best weekend I ever had with my daughter and my 16 year old granddaughter we sat the whole weekend to finish this and I am so happy to be part of it because it brought me closer to my daughter and my granddaughter. Wow, so it really is is uniting different generations, giving people a sense of, of purpose and accomplishment. This is sounds like this would be great, you know, even as I know, of course, now there's a lot of divis divisiveness going on in our society, a lot of people, you know, suffering from different forms of... Um, of, men, of so, so many struggles going on, but maybe something like this is really, you know, from what I'm gathering, maybe this could really help a lot of people right now. Uh, I believe the time changed. When 20 years ago, uh, when we started this project, uh, the world wasn't uh, like this today. And I believe uh, today we need more, uh, especially our leaders, thinking, bringing people together. And I believe this project, it would show that it's possible. If you have the will and, and, and you really believe uh, what you are thinking, you can bring people together and unite them and have them sit next to each other. When we go out there, I have to show you pictures. I can't wait and to see them. <laughs> it's, it shows how people willing to come together and help each other 
to accomplish a goal that they would be for years. I know it's been 22 years and I had this done. We did it in two years, but unfortunately our leaders haven't been able to place this somewhere so people can see it for 22 years. You can see the tear that is happening. This is after tomorrow, it's gonna go back to the storage again and it's, it's gonna stay there God knows until when. If it wasn't my effort and Heather effort, that wouldn't be even here today because it's not easy. You're gonna see the size of it that to take this, bring it and drop it, this should be displayed as I, I have a structure, a picture frame that I also need to enter to Guinness Book of Record that's been made 22 years ago and we haven't been able because it's so huge it's 30 feet high three-story high and that's sitting in the storage as well so uh, I'm hoping that now uh, other leaders uh, maybe even a corporation that who really believe bringing people together come forward and say yes we want to help you this has to be somewhere to be displayed so can view by people and also see the effort that people put together to accomplish this and, and just out of pure curiosity in terms of the process of how it was done uh, it was t tell me a little bit about how it was assembled okay um, first of all when I uh, start this project I was working in a factory and I would come home I have video footages uh, pictures that I would start each character or letters has been done by hand traced on that mesh and then everything is being traced so a volunteers knows what to do I had packages that was goes to the volunteers with the yarn needle everything instruction and they would just do a part that's how the beauty of this is that if we help each other just by doing a little but when we put the full picture together that's what you see that mm -hmm. was my goal to show that even just by doing a small piece we can change the world we can show the world we have why should we live our life in misery in wars and fighting why can't we respect each other work instead of our, our difference let's work on our common that would be easier instead of fighting each other for the, our differences we can work on our common goals and accomplish have a peaceful life and enjoy each other company that was my message with this piece beautiful thank you so much for for the conversation speaking there with Vahid Sadati. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna. <laughs>